you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. A circle. Simple. Round. Refined. A shape that was spoken into existence with the universe. And a shape that holds powerful meaning. We see this shape all over creation. The sun stars, our earth, and we find it in some of our most precious possessions. It's a beautiful symbol of wholeness and completeness, a symbol of infinite motion. It's a shape that represents love and commitment, and a symbol of unity. Unity, an idea of connectedness even when separated. To be a group of people moving in the same direction with the same heartbeat. It's an idea that we, as a family of churches, are better together than we are by ourselves. We were never meant to be alone. And we believe in being a community of action. That our love for one another will drive us beyond the four walls into our communities to share the transformative presence of God with our neighbors. It's a love that brings families back together. That's the community we strive to be, bringing heaven to earth. Amazing things happen when a group of people commit to one cause, when they rally around the same mission, something happens. You have a movement, a God-given mission and vision for our future. God has given all of us a unique part to play in accomplishing what he has set before us. And we are most impactful when we stay true to who God has called us to be. Because the kingdom of God doesn't need any more replication of other ministries. And it doesn't need any more imitation. What it needs is innovation that comes through obedience. For we experience no greater freedom than when we are walking in step with Christ and going where he has called us to go. But we know that our God is for us. And we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So here we stand with a lamp on our feet and a light on our path, coming alive to our calling. For we are Grace Capital Church, and this is our awakening. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. Glad you're here with us tonight. I, I want to tell you all something. Two things that maybe will make your night. One is God loves you. And he's for you. He has plans for you. Just like the, the, the video says, he has a mission for you. He loves you. He wants his very best for you. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Once we wrap our heads around that, God loves us. And second thing is you're not here by accident tonight. You're here because God has called you here. He knew exactly who was going to be here tonight. He knew you would be here. You would be here. And he gathered us together tonight for a reason. To share with each other, to love each other, and to care about each other. And hopefully to hear a little bit from his word about how much he loves us and how he wants to be present with us. And how once we let him be present with us, that it changes us. It changes us on the inside. God's presence changes us. So let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, that you do care for us. I thank you, Lord, that we're not here on accident, that you knew from the very beginning, the foundations of the world, that we would be here tonight in little Pittsfield, New Hampshire, worshiping you, 
praising you, learning about you. Father, I pray that as we uh, move forward with this message, Lord, that it would be your words spoken. Father, that uh, you would speak through me and that you would give us ears to hear what you want us to hear, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God's presence changes everything. It changes us. An encounter with God changes us. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. How God can change us when we let him be present with us. When we let him come into our lives and and be present and and be a part of us. So that we can walk out what he's called us to do. About his his vision and his mission for us. So I want to start off by telling you a little story. A little background um, about me. Some of you know me well and know this. So you can kind of zone out for a minute. But the others, you can listen up. It's not really that exciting, but it's going to lead somewhere. We're going to get there, I promise. So I grew up in Tennessee, and um, that's a good state to be in, Tennessee. Anyway, so I grew up there and um, went through school, and and I lived there until I was about 39 years old when I moved to New Hampshire. And all all the time as I was growing up, I was always... um, uh, kind of a, a striver, one who was always working to do the next big thing and the next thing. And as I got to, out of school and, and started my job and, and my career, I was not in the ministry when I was young. I was in business, and I was always working toward that next promotion, that next thing. There was always something hard to strive for, something ahead of me that I could strive for to do and to be better, to be good enough, to take better care of my family, to take better care of myself. Even later on in life, as as, I found out that that wasn't all that satisfying, that the job and the career and and things like that, they're great, but that wasn't satisfying. The the thing inside of me that needed to be satisfied, that hole inside my heart, I wasn't being satisfied with that. And so even later in life, I decided, well, I'll go back to school. I'll get more education. And I went back to school and got a master's degree. And you know what? That didn't feel it either. That didn't feel the place in my heart. That didn't stop me from wanting to strive for more. That didn't satisfy my soul. That didn't make me who God wanted me to be. And so there I was, still looking and striving forward to be more, to be better, to be good enough. My identity was wrapped up around um, things like the economy and and my my position at work, my position in my career. Uh, My identity was was wrapped around um, the fact that as I was a young boy, my father had passed away, and my identity was that I was a, a, a kid who never had a father and who didn't learn how to do the manly things, didn't know how to be a man. So my identity was wrapped up in that. My identity was wrapped up in a career that was never satisfying. My, career, my identity was wrapped up in money and possession and things that I thought if I could just get that next thing, that that would be it. That would be the thing for me. But it wasn't. My identity was wrapped up in never feeling good enough, never feeling like I'm enough. So I was always striving and looking for more and looking for more and looking for more. So it's easy when when we're doing this kind of thing that we lose our identity, that we lose the identity that God created us to be. We lose the fact that God created us to be his children. He created us to, to follow him and to be filled with him, to be for him to be present in us. We kind of forget about that. We forget that our identity is his child, the apple of his eye, his daily delight. So there I was, probably, I don't know, 45 years old, and 
still struggling and striving with all these things and still not submitting to God who had all the answers. And, and finally, I was allowed or I got somehow I, I ended up on this mission, this short term mission team to, to Mexico uh, with Grace Capital Church. And as I was doing that, I finally felt like I could just settle in and, and be a part of this mission team. And, and I didn't have to strive for more. I didn't have to prove myself to do more. I was there as, as a part of the team, but, but not striving, not looking for the next great thing. And so as I was there that week, I, I allowed myself to be in God's presence. And as I did that, as I put some of those things aside and started focusing more on God and less on the things that I was striving for, I found out that there was some satisfaction. I had an encounter with God down there in Mexico, and it changed everything. An encounter with God changed everything for me. And then after that encounter, you know, an encounter is a one-time kind of a thing. After that encounter, I I allowed myself to, to let God be present in me. And as God has been present in me, he's changed me. He's changed me from that kid who didn't have a father to a son of the good father. He's changed me. He's changed me for a guy that was looking for more and more and more through his career into a guy who was satisfied to be following him and walking in what he's called me to be. He's changed me. And so many of us, I think we all get caught somehow. We get caught up in that striving. Maybe your story is different from mine. I'm sure there are, there's plenty of stories in here, as many as there are people. But so many of us get caught up in that striving and that, that unwillingness to let go of our stuff and submit to God and let him be present with us. And we miss out on what he's called us to be. We, we miss out on what he created us to be. We end up believing the lies of the enemy who tells us that we're not what God created us to be. And he tells us that, that we're all alone and that God doesn't care about us, that God doesn't want to be present with us. But when we change that and when we let God's presence be in us and be part of us, God changes us. He makes us different. He makes us new. God's presence changes us. Changes us from day to day. Changes us, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. God's presence in us. His desire from the very beginning of time is to to reconcile with us, to be made whole with us, to be back back in communication, back in fellowship with us as humans. That's God's plan, to be present with us as a human race and as individuals. That's God's plan. So tonight we're going to look through some scripture and it's going to be a little bit different type of message as far as scripture goes because we're going to kind of bounce around the Bible and, and see lots of different stories about what God did in some people's lives and how they were changed because God was present with them. His presence changes us by replacing that striving with humility that allows us to submit. He replaces that striving. He, he makes us humble as we submit to him. And then everything changes. Everything is new. God's presence changes us. So right, we're going to start off in the book of James, chapter 4, if you want to flip there. And uh, this is kind of the, the basis of, of where we're starting. And um, we're going to, like I said, we're going to kind of be going all over the place. But let's look at James, chapter 4, and uh, just focus on... Um, I, I think the slide's going to say 1 through 10, but let's focus on verses 5, 6, and 7, and 8. 5 through 8. It says, Do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says, He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us? God's jealous of the Spirit He's made in us because He wants to be present in us. He's, he yearns for that. But He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God wants us to submit. He wants us to stop all that striving and all that working and all that, the, the things that we do. Maybe it's our religion that makes us strive. Maybe we, we uh, get caught up in religion and, and the traditions and the thing that we have, feel like we have to do in order to get, get to God, get close to God. Do you know that religion's not going to get us closer to God? God's presence in us. He's there already wanting that. He yearns for that. He's jealous for our spirit to be a part of us. And then as we submit to him, and he creates a, a, a humility in us that allows him to change us, and then everything changes. It's so much better. Everything changes when God's presence is with us. So from here in the book of James, we're going to uh, start looking at some other stories in the Bible about how God's presence changed others. Some stories from the Bible of, of uh, people who God came to. His presence changed them. And through that, something was birthed through them. Something that would never have been birthed through them if God hadn't been present with him. If they hadn't stopped that striving. If they hadn't submitted to God and let him be present in them. And then he birthed something new. He birthed something new. We're going to find out that, that God's presence can give us courage to walk in faith. We walk in faith to receive the promises of God like Abraham did. We're going to know that, that God's presence can humble us. God's presence humbles us as he changes us like Jacob did in the book of Genesis. We're going to learn that God's presence unleashes things in us that we never realized were there. Things that he has already planted in us that that need to be unleashed so that we can uh, change this world, we can change this city, we can change this town by God's presence. It's God's presence in us that's going to change Pittsfield. It's not us. It's God's presence in us. So as we talk about Paul, we're going to learn about how God can unleash things in us that we never knew were there. And then we're going to look at, the, look at Peter, the Apostle Peter, and see how God's presence restores us and how God wants to restore us back to him. So we're going to look through these, th- these four stories. First, we're going to start with the story of Abram or Abraham. God's presence give, gives us courage to walk with him in faith. God's presence gives us courage to walk with him in faith. If you turn to Genesis 12, I hope you brought your Bibles. If you didn't, there's some Bibles on the end of the pews, I think. Uh, you can, I don't think the congregational church will mind if we read their Bibles. I think they'll be okay with that. So in Genesis 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here was this guy named Abram. And this, this is a long time ago long time ago. It's before Jesus, way before Jesus was walking on the earth. Years, thousands of years before that, there was this guy, Abram, living in this city called Ur. God wasn't speaking to people at the time. We don't have any other records during that time where God was speaking to people. We don't have any really record that God knew Abram or Abram knew God. God knew Abram, but we don't have any record that Abram knew God. But God spoke to him. And as he did that, he, his presence God's presence with Abraham gave him the courage to leave that city of Ur and go to where he had promised him that he would start a new nation, that he would be the father of many. 
So Abraham gets this word from the Lord to move to, this, to, to another country. And the crazy thing is, he did it. He got up and left and did it. He moved from Ur and followed God's path for him. He picked up his family and he moved. And then soon after that, I think it's Genesis 17, we see... Yes, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. God's presence was with him. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Now, the name Abram, back in the the day, meant high father. So God changed Abram's name from high father to Abraham, which means father of many. God changed Abraham. God's presence in him changed him from just being a high father to being the father of many nations. And the world has been changed. Because of God's presence with Abram. And God's changing Abram's name to Abraham. God's presence gives us courage to walk in faith and receive the promises that he's given us. God's presence gives us that courage. God's presence humbles us. If we can look a little further in the book of Genesis, at Genesis 32, we can see where this guy, his name was Jacob, and he... uh, it's a long story, but I'll kind of give you the short version. He was, um, Jacob was a twin. His brother was Esau. And, and the name Jacob actually means deceiver. So Jacob's name was deceiver. And he was a, a twin. When He was the second one to come out. But he was always a thorn in his brother's side, his brother Esau's side. He tricked Esau out of his birthright. He did all kinds of things that were, were tricky. And, and uh, he certainly lived up to his name as deceiver. And here he was, uh, he, he had, uh, had a falling out with his brother Esau, and now he was trying to kind of get back together, but he was a little bit afraid of Esau, that, that Esau might kill him. And Esau probably had a good reason to do that. So as we look at Genesis 32, we see a time where one night, Jacob was in a camp, and he kind of went off by himself and went across the stream, And Jacob was left alone. And there a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob, the one who was striving all of his life to try to outdo his brother, was always in competition with his brother. And here he was, and I won't get into the theology of it, but most people say that Jacob here was wrestling with God. It wasn't just wrestling with a man. And here he was wrestling with him all night. And it says, it's kind of a, a funny thing if you read it. He, he was wrestling with him all, all night. And the man said, uh, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob... He touched his hip socket. So he had wrestled with him all night and wasn't winning. But then he just had to touch his 
hip socket to knock it out of joint. So I think maybe the guy was just toying with Jacob. Maybe he was just playing with him. And then he touched his socket and humbled him. The humility that came. Jacob was one of these strivers. He was, one of the, he was probably a guy kind of like me, always trying to get one up on the other guy, always trying to, to be the best, to be more, to be good enough to that older brother who was in the womb with him. And here he wrestled with God, and God changed his name. God changed his name from deceiver to Israel. The name Israel means who prevails with God or God wins. Jacob's name was changed because he was present with God. The presence of God changed him. The presence of God changed Jacob into Israel. God's presence frees us from religion. There's a guy in the New Testament of the Bible. If, if you look over in the book of Acts, Acts 9 is where we're going to look. The guy's name was Saul, and he was a pretty bad guy. Well, it depends on who you talk to. He was a pretty religious guy. He was very religious. He was a Pharisee. Later on in the Bible, it says that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was like one of the best Pharisees. The only problem is Saul hated people who followed Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe that Jesus was the way. He didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. And so Paul had authority from his church, from his religious hierarchy, to take Christians out. He had authority from, to, to, from his higher-ups in the religious world to, to take people out, to take Christians out, to persecute them, to bring harm to them. He even stood and held the, the code of the very first martyr, the very first Christian martyr, Stephen. Paul, Saul was there holding his coat. So as we look at Acts chapter 9, not John chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, we see where, where Saul was converted. It says that Saul was, uh, was going on a road to Damascus and falling to the ground. Suddenly, he was on his way. He approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Paul had a sudden change. Why? When Jesus was present with him. God's presence changed Saul. God's presence changed Saul. And later on, we can read where Saul's name was changed to Paul. God's presence changes us. It always does. God's presence changed Abram to Abraham, Jacob to Israel, Saul to Paul. God's presence changed, changes us. And then the next story, that, the final story that we'll talk about is, is a guy named Simon. And we see how God's presence restores us. So if we look in the book of Matthew... I told you you were going to be all over your Bibles tonight. Matthew chapter 16. We can see an interesting story where Jesus was talking with this guy named Simon in uh, 16 verses 13 to 19. So Jesus was, was talking with this guy Simon and he asked him, Who do people say that I am? And some of the people were saying, Well, John the Baptist or Elijah and but Simon says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Simon knew who Jesus was because he was present with Jesus. 
present with him as he walked here on earth. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, the presence of God in Simon's life. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God took this guy, Simon, who was kind of a cocky guy. Maybe he was kind of a guy, too, who liked to strive and do more and kind of be at the head of the pack. Didn't really want to submit, wasn't very humble. Jesus said, Simon, no longer are you Simon, you're Peter. And it's interesting, he says, and upon this rock I will build my church. The name Peter can also be translated to mean rock. So Jesus changed Simon's name to Rocky. No, he changed it to to Simon, to Peter, the rock. God's presence changes us. Always. God's presence will change us. So for us here today, how how can an encounter with God change us? How can an encounter with God change you? How can God's presence change us? How can God's presence change you? There's a lot of ways. Maybe you need God's presence in your life to give you faith, the courage and strength to walk into the promises that he's made for you. Are you struggling with financial stress, financial crisis in your own life? God's presence maybe will give you the faith to walk that out and to get through it. Marriage problems. God's presence in your marriage will give you faith to walk it out through the hard times for the promise the promised marriage that God has created for you. Job stress. God's presence in your life can be what gives you the faith to walk that out. To believe that God's going to provide. And to provide for you. God's presence gives us faith to walk out the promises that he has for us. Maybe you're like Jacob and you need God's presence in your life to humble you. I think a lot of us could relate to that one. Maybe you're all set. You're doing it your own way and you, know, you might want to do this God thing on the weekend, but really, you're all set. You don't need God in your life. Maybe you need to wrestle with God. Maybe you need to wrestle that out in the Word and see if God's presence can change you. Maybe it's time to humble ourselves and submit to God, to the plans that he's got for us, and see how that changes everything. Maybe you lead your family out of arrogance. You're the king of the house, and people come and go at your beck and call. God can change you in his presence as you submit and be more humble, like Jacob, to Israel. Maybe you need God's presence in your life to free you from religion. I think there's a lot of us, especially here in New England, who have had trouble with religion over the years. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we've misunderstood the church. Maybe the church has misunderstood us. Maybe we're working so hard. Maybe we're striving so hard to be good enough or to be religious enough to find our way to God. I'm afraid there's so many of us who do that. That we look to religion to find our way to God. But no, all we got to do is submit. Stop striving. Stop working toward those things. Submit to God. And he will draw near to us. 
And His presence changes everything. Maybe you need God's presence to restore you back to Him. God's desire for all of us is to be reconciled. What, what I mean by reconciled is to, be, to restore our friendship with God. To be in harmony with Him. Maybe you've never known Him. You never know that He desires that friendship and that harmony with you. God's presence changes us. Simon walked away from Jesus. You see, later on in, in Simon Peter's life, he walked away from Jesus. As we, we look, read the story after Jesus had been crucified and as he was on, actually as he was on trial for being crucified, Peter denied even knowing him. This man who, who, Peter had, or who Jesus had renamed from Simon to Peter and told him that you are the rock the church is going to be built on, he walked away from Jesus. He denied him, said he didn't even know him, didn't want anything to do with him. But Jesus still had a plan. God's presence still had a plan. And as Simon was out fishing, Jesus started up a little fire on the shore and called him in. Come on in and have breakfast with me. And as they did that, Jesus restored Simon. It's funny that as you read that story, uh, I think it's in the book of Matthew, Jesus is calling in Simon again. Simon. Do you love me? Simon. And Peter affirms that love. And then Jesus challenges him and appoints him again to say, go feed my sheep. Be the rock. Be rocky. The church is going to be built on you. Peter, the rock. God's presence changes us. God's presence restores us and changes us. So there's Abram. Abraham, Jacob to Israel, Saul to Paul, Simon to Peter. It was God's presence that changed them. He even changed their name. His presence gave them more courage to walk in faith, more humility to serve, more freedom to proclaim Him, and more grace to be restored to him. It's the, birth, the spirit of God inside, to, inside of us wants to birth something through us. It's interesting that all four of these people who, who had their names changed by God, something was birthed through them from God's presence in them. Abram and Jacob, who became Abraham and Israel, a whole nation was birthed through them. The nation of Israel was birthed through them. Saul, it was changed to Paul. The whole New Testament, or two-thirds of the New Testament was birthed through him. The story of the church, the story of the growth of the church, something was birthed through Saul as he became Paul. And Simon, and who became Peter, the church was birthed through him. We're his descendant as he was the, the rock. He was the foundation of the church as Jesus Call him to be. The Spirit of God inside us does want to burst something through us. All of us. Not just these guys way back in the Bible, but all of us here today. God's presence in you can burst something new. He can burst something new in you. It's not a, a name change to the extent of Abraham, Jacob, Saul, or Simon, but it, it may be a name change of 
from something that was spoken over you in the past. Maybe a parent, a sibling, a teacher, a coach told you that you'd never make it, you'd never amount to anything. Maybe God wants to change that name. He wants to change that name from never amount to anything to my son, my daughter. It may be even the, the names that you give yourself in your own internal conversations. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm such a loser. I'm never going to amount to anything. Well, maybe God tonight wants to change your name from loser to overcomer. Maybe the Lord sees you as he created you to be. I think he does see you as he created you to be. He sees you differently from the way others see you. He may even see you differently than the way you see yourself. Maybe you answer to the name of loser. But God has a name for you, overcomer. Maybe you answer to the name of alcoholic. Maybe God wants to change your name to set free. Maybe you answer to the name of addict. Maybe tonight God wants to change your name to fully alive. Maybe you answer to the name of cheater. And God can give you the name faithful. Faithful one. Maybe you answer to the name of bitter. Tonight God can change your name to joyful. Maybe you answer to the name not good enough, failure, abandoned, lonely, disgrace. But maybe tonight, God wants to give you a new name. Maybe tonight, he wants to call you child of the one true king. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 